Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning is Esther chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. Esther chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. This is where Esther saves her people. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told her, told how he was related to her. So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite, and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who were in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay hands on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name. And seal it with the king's signet ring, for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. So our message this morning is about faithfulness. And we finish up our study of Esther here after probably about two months or so, I guess. And we're actually going to look at the events of chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10. Sounds like a lot, but there's not that much more to get out of the story that we need. Last time we left off after the second banquet with Esther presenting her request to the king, she wanted to save her people. The king becomes angry that he would be tricked into someone wanting to annihilate these people. So he leaves the scene and pulls off for a few minutes. When he returns, he sees Haman assaulting the queen. That's what he sees. But we know that Haman was actually just begging and pleading with the king for his life, for mercy. But the king sees what he sees and has Haman executed. Has him hung on the gallows that Haman built for Mordecai. Haman was considered a traitor. He was executed. And his assets, his house, his money, the things that he owned, were seized by the king. That's what they did to traitors. They seized their property. And the king then took control. But in this case, the king gave the property to Esther, and Esther gave it to Mordecai. So essentially, Mordecai was promoted to Haman's position in the kingdom. 
He was now the king's right-hand man. Scripture never tells us what happens to Haman's wife, what happens to Haman's friends. But we do know that his sons were killed in the battle with the Jews. The very battle that Haman had the king write a decree for. Esther once again comes before the king and asks what he can do to stop the murder of her people. She's still not she still hasn't accomplished her mission, which is to stop the annihilation, stop the execution of her people. The king pretty much responds, when an order is given, it is given. Even the king cannot overturn his own orders. But he gives her the opportunity to make her own order. So Mordecai writes a decree for his people, the Jewish people, in the king's name. And the decree gave the Jewish people the right to defend themselves against any enemy that might attack them. Anybody, and this included women and children. This sounds bizarre to us. How can this be God's plan? God doesn't want us to kill our enemies, does he? But when you look at the decree, the decree says it gives the Jewish people the right to defend themselves. Not to just go out and kill these people first because they're going to kill you. It gives them the right to defend themselves. But on the other hand, we also need to look at the righteousness of God. And we see this especially in the Old Testament. We see part of God's justice and part of God's holiness is through His wrath. And we need to remember that. So much we talk about God as being a God of love, a God of patience, a God of mercy, a God of kindness. And that is absolutely true. He is but we also know that He, because of His righteousness, because of His justice, because of His holiness, must also be a God of wrath, a God of judgment. We definitely see that throughout the Old Testament. And we definitely see it scattered throughout the New Testament, but especially in the book of Revelation. A perfectly just God must punish sin. There's a price to be paid for your sin. Thankfully for us as believers, the price has been paid through Jesus Christ. Those who do not accept the payment, those who do not accept and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and their Savior, will suffer the wrath of God, will suffer the penalty for themselves. Back to Esther V. The people get the message from the king that they're allowed to defend themselves and they rejoice. In chapter 9, the day arrives for the battle to take place and the, the Jews destroy the people attacking them. They destroy the enemy. 810 people were killed in the area 
and 75,000 were killed around the country. As I mentioned, Haman's sons were also killed in this battle. God's people came out on top. God kept his promise to Abraham about blessing those who bless him and cursing those who curse him and his descendants. After the battle's over, Mordecai sends a letter out to his people to remember this day and establish a feast called Purim. It's an annual feast that they remember to commemorate what the Lord did for them on that day. And they tell, they retell the story of Esther. It's typically read on Purim. As I mentioned about a month ago, the last uh, last uh, Sunday in February was the festival of Purim. What do we learn from this story? Well, like most accounts in the Bible, we see faithfulness is an important lesson from God's Word. When God's people are faithful, they prosper. Maybe not necessarily in the short term, but it's part of long, God's long-term plan. As you live a faithful life, you will prosper. And I'm not talking about worldly prosperity. I'm talking godly prosperity. When we see God's people turn away from the Word and do their own thing, we see them suffer. Again, maybe not in the short run, but in the long run, they do. The same holds true for us today as well. God wants us to be faithful followers of Christ. He wants us to live by faith. And no doubt we have many faithful Christians here and in this country. But we have also many people that call themselves Christians but really are not too faithful. And I think part of that we see in our country struggles that go on because we have not been faithful to the Word of God. Some of us don't even know the, what faith is anymore. Hebrews 11, 1 gives us a great definition. It says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure and certain of the right things, the things of God, the promises of God. Faith is the confidence that God will do what He says He will do. If He says He's going to take care of us, if we obey Him, He'll do that. And to apply our faith is to live His promises. That is the question for you. Do you believe that God is going to do what He promised to do? If so, then live your life accordingly. If you're not so sure that He's going to do what He says He's going to do, then you better keep reading His Word, you better keep studying it, you better keep praying about it. And He'll show you what He wants you to see. While we're on earth, we'll never come to a complete and full understanding of His entire Word. 
there are things that are still hidden to us that we do not understand. But, if we ask Him, He will open our eyes to the main message, His saving grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. And it's possible that some of you are sitting there thinking, you know, I believe, I believe, but it just doesn't seem like God comes through for me sometimes. It seems like I'm struggling. Why doesn't He help me out? Or maybe there's a past hurt. Something bad happened in your, that you experienced and, and, and you prayed and prayed and prayed, but God didn't answer your prayer the way you thought He would. And sometimes maybe people become maybe a little bit disappointed with God, so to speak. They feel as though God let them down. Well, I listened to him. I I came to church. I I read his word. I I prayed to him, but he still didn't do what I was hoping. He didn't answer my prayers in the way I expected. And maybe those people kind of gave up on God, stopped praying, stopped going to church, stopped reading the Bible. And that's a bad road to take. Because as we've seen, when, when people, when God's people turn away from Him, His hand and His blessing is no longer upon them. And bad things happen. And they get worse. Until someone comes along and brings those people back. And I think that's what our, our nation is really lacking right now. We have, we've left God as a nation. And we don't have a strong Christian leader that is bringing us all back to the Word of God. And we haven't for many years. For many years. And it's not just one leader that's going to do it. It's a combination of leaders on a local level, a state level, and a national level. But we, the people, need to do it as well. And it tests our faith. Our faith is tested all the time. And it's tested to prove if our faith is real or if it's just something we say we have. Our faith is tested to help us to grow and it's tested to strengthen us. And of course our faith is tested to give God the glory when we persevere. God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we expect Him to. And we need to remember that He has a plan and that He knows what He's doing. Things will work out. There's no doubt about that. And just because He doesn't give us what we want or what we think we need doesn't mean He doesn't give us what we really do need. God loves us. There's no doubt about that. He is a God of love. And that's not the question. We need to remember, and most parents realize this, part of love is discipline. You love your children, but when they do something wrong, they need discipline so they don't do that anymore. We are God's children, and He does the same to us. So we need to be faithful like Mordecai and like Esther. They were sure and they were certain 
God would hold to his promises. And they were right because God was right. So if you find yourself a little disappointed or disillusioned with God, maybe a little down and out, ask him to strengthen you. Ask him to strengthen your faith. Read through the story of Esther again. It's only ten chapters. It doesn't take a long time. Or read through Ruth, which is only four chapters that we looked at a few months ago. Or maybe just read through your Old uh, Testament, your favorite character from the Old Testament. Job, although that's a pretty long book. Stories of David. He has a lot wrote about him, and he wrote a lot himself. Or some of the stories with Daniel and his friends, Joseph, or whoever it is for you. Read through those stories again and ask God to open your eyes to to their faithfulness and to give you the faith that they had. David's life's a perfect example. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a faithful man, but he screwed up and sinned more than once. But he always came back to God. Look at their lives. See how they lived out their faith. Even when times were tough for them, when times were rough. And remember that God is there with you through it all, as He has been there with our ancestors in the past. Let's close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time in your word this morning. We thank you for those examples of faith in Esther and Mordecai. Help us to be people of faith like them. And forgive us for those times when we fail. And strengthen us again to give you the glory and the honor that you deserve. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.